When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. The Monopoly game at Maccas is in full swing. Download the My Maccas app and play today. Welcome to the Maccas Run with Sam Hargraves. Yes, a very good evening, everyone. Dobia Watson here filling in for Sam Hargraves tonight. Hope you're enjoying your Thursday night and hope you can stay with us for another edition of the Maccas Run. All thanks to McDonald's, a Monopoly game at Maccas is still on. The Ross Lyon discussion gee, continues, doesn't it, in the AFL world amid reports last night that he is likely to return to coach St Kilda. It's interesting. When I talk to St Kilda supporters anecdotally, there's a bit of a contrast. Some people have differing opinions, and some Saints supporters think Lyon's acquisition will be great. He has the hard nose edge, according to some, that direct no-nonsense approach, if he does indeed take up the job. And that's probably, according to some, what the club needs to emerge from its malaise over the last few years, and some are quite excited. And then you hear other St Kilda supporters say that if Lyon comes back, they won't support the club anymore and that people have short memories after what happened in 2011 when he left to go to Fremantle. So it's interesting, even within the supporter base at St Kilda, you get contrasting opinions. So happy to hear yours on the open line with thanks to Harcourts, one 736 736 For all things real estate, speak to Harcourts. You can text it as well via 0433 You know the drill on the temper text machine. Consumer's choice, tempers, mattresses, pillows and adjustable bases conforms to the exact shape of your body. We've got a jam-packed show tonight. There's plenty coming up afterwards on the Sporting Capital as well. But as far as the Macca's run is concerned, race caller Matthew Hill will join us ahead of a massive weekend at the Valley. We've got the running of the Manicato Stakes tomorrow night and the Cox Plate on Saturday. Plenty of rain expected tomorrow night, so I wonder if that will affect things. And it's going to be very, very exciting to have crowds back at the Valley, I guess especially over the last two years when you think about it, to have crowds back in that amphitheatre-type atmosphere. It is sensational. So we look forward to that. Also, former Australian cricket captain Kim Hughes will join us to dissect the latest cricket news, including, I guess, the David Water leadership debate, which has been permeating over the last few days. The Sheffield Shield as well, continuing on a draw today between Victoria and WA confirmed. It was a bit of a batter fawn and all. Certainly go through the scores in just a moment. The T20 Cricket World Cup continues on the match at the moment between Sri Lanka and the Netherlands. The Netherlands currently 5 for 102 with just under five overs remaining, needing a target of 163. So Sri Lanka probably in the box seat at this point. I'll give you those updated scores in just a moment. But we'll firstly take a look at the news headlines out there as you drive home on this Thursday evening. And the panel investigating allegations of racism at the Hawthorne Football Club will take into account not only inappropriate behaviour if it did occur and whether it was inflicted upon First Nations players and their families and partners, but also if it did who knew about it at management at board level as well as the terms of reference to the investigation was released today. The findings are set to be made public potentially in December. The investigation date ending, I think, was stipulated at December the 22nd. Also, another AFL news, a couple of interesting ones here that probably a little bit off Broadway. 
Daryl McDowell White Jr., who was the son of triple Brisbane Premiership player, Daryl White, in the early 2000s, of course. He's set to be taken by the Brisbane Lions as a Category B rookie. Meanwhile, this is an interesting one. West Coast small forward Zach Langdon, this has just come through. He's been delisted with a year remaining on his contract. Interesting how they get rid of someone with still a year remaining on his contract, which shows you the worth of contracts in the AFL these days. There's not much to them, it seems. Uh, Just in terms of racing, the gay Waterhouse-trained alligator blood is in doubt for the Cox Plate after vets found him to be lame in the off-four during the compulsory pre-race inspection. And very elegant, last year's Melbourne Cup winner has officially been retired. The ownership group, the syndication has just released a statement within the last hour or so confirming the retirement there. In the NBA, Ben Simmons... You know, he's had an indifferent start in his debut at the Brooklyn Nets in the NBA after he was fouled out early in the fourth quarter during their loss to the New Orleans Pelicans. I do hope he turns things around. Uh, I mean, I know there's a lot of hate directed towards him now, and some of it's probably justified. But at the same time, you do want to see someone come off the canvas and reinvigorate themselves in their career. And I think hopefully he can do that at some point. Maybe a little bit more time with a fresh start at a new club could do the trick. And interestingly, a freak injury to Josh Inglis on the golf course. We spoke about that a few days ago, a couple of days ago. It might leave the door open for Cam Green or Nathan Ellis to join the T20 Men's World Cup squad for Australia. So watch that space. <laughs> I might uh, ask him Hughes, actually, whether there's any sort of equivalent that he can think of during his playing days where someone was ruled out due to a strange injury off the field. We've seen a few in the AFL, like I think it was Jeremy Howe who accidentally dislocated his finger with a Frisbee and Josh Gibson falling over in the bathroom as well. He he suffered a pretty serious injury at the time going back to 2007. So there's a few interesting anecdotes there. Just in relation to the cricket, the Netherlands 5 for 104, as I said, chasing a target of 163 set by the Sri Lankans who posted 6 for 162 at the moment. Max O'Dowd is unbeaten, 36 off 32. Really the pillar of the innings for the Dutch at the top of the order. Tim Bringle is with him, two not out. The main wicket taker, Mahish Dikshana, two for 15 for the Sri Lankans. It's been relatively spread out. In the Sheffield Shield earlier on, it was a batathon at the Junction Oval. WA managed to outlast in the second innings, five for 185. They weren't bowled out cheaply in the end, so they managed to hold on for a draw after Victoria posted four declared for 616. We'll get Kim Hughes' thoughts on Peter Hanscom. 281 not out of 367 deliveries, 23 fours and seven sixes, underpinning that knock. So he's in great form. Marcus Harris with a century as well for the Vixen. Sam Harper, his second first-class century. He was unbeaten on 132. So certainly a lot of batting contributors there for Victoria, who seem to be on the improve after a bit of an indifferent last couple of years in the Sheffield Shield. Off the SMS, Dan says, line will be good. It just won't happen overnight at St Kilda. The list is not strong enough. It won't be a McRae-type situation at Collingwood, in my opinion. Thank you, Dan, for sending that through. Uh, let's head to Nathan, who's in Craigieburn, who's rung in. How are you, Nathan? Yeah, good fans yourself. Yeah, not too bad. You want to have your say on Ross Lyon? Yeah, I'm a Chief Squad member with the family. Yep. Um, and I'm more than happy to sign up, even if it wasn't Ross Lyon, because at the end of the day, you love a club for a reason, and yep. it's not worth actually saying, I'm not signing up just because it's someone that you don't like. And he didn't leave on um, terms where... He got sacked or anything. He actually walked out because the club wasn't committing to him. So it's mm. partially the board's fault. Yeah, those are... And yeah, I respect, I respect him. Go ahead. I respect him. 
Yeah, no, fair enough. Absolutely. It's great to have that point of view. And yeah, there's an element there, which I think you're right. Ultimately, in a market type situation, if you're going to look in any other job, if you're offered a lot more money to go elsewhere, you're probably going to go elsewhere, aren't you? You've got to support your family and things like that. So I can understand it. And that, that can apply to players as well. But there's that fierce loyalty that supporters have. And I agree. You've got to, I think that's one of the uh, mottos, isn't it? The actual Latin motto that St Kilda have, strength through loyalty. And I think for supporters out there, regardless of whether you like Ross Lyon or not, you've got to stick with your club. I 100% agree with that because there's always going to be people you don't like necessarily in a club, but you stick by the club as an entity, don't you? Yep, exactly. So I want everyone on board and hopefully hit the sixty to 65,000 membership again. Yeah, regardless of who's appointed. Good on you, Nathan. Thanks for ringing in, mate. Thank you. Good stuff, Nathan, from Craigie Byrne there. Just in terms of other live scores in the Sheffield Shield, bad light, a stop play at Dremoyne Oval. Obviously, New South Wales experiencing their deluge of rain over the coming day or so, and they have today, I think. New South Wales were bowled out for 246 in their first innings. Queensland was six declared for 477, and New South Wales in their second dig, currently four for 96. And Moses Odriques and Matthew Gilks are at the crease, two and five, not out respectively. But Queensland have certainly done the dominating in terms of the batting. Matt Redshaw with an unbeaten double century, 200 of 403 deliveries. And I get the feeling they waited till he reached the double centurion milestone before they declared. The other centurion was Michael Nisa, 136 off 172 deliveries. And he's someone who's capable with both the bat and the ball, as we know. We'll take a break here on the Macca's Run. Hope you're enjoying it. You can text it at any time. If you have any questions for our guest on the other side of the break, Matt Hill, who's obviously calling the Cox Plate on the weekend. He'll be calling the Melbourne Cup Carnival as well at Flemington. Feel free to send it in and I'll read it out. 0433-981116 off the temper text. And you can call him throughout the night on the Harcourts open line. Your move, your Harcourts. Damien Watson with you here on this Thursday night on SEN. The Monopoly game at Maccas is in full swing. Download the My Maccas app and play today. Welcome to the Maccas Run with Sam Hargraves. Outside at the 200, State of Rest and Nick Animo, very elegant late. It's State of Rest at the 100, Animo wearing it down. State of Rest just in front of Animo. State of Rest holding on. State of Rest, I think, has just won for the Emerald Isle from Animo and very elegant. Oh, that was an eerie Cox Plate, wasn't it? Because there was no one there. 100 years ago in 1922, the first ever Cox Plate was held with a prize pull of £1,000. That was last year's Cox Plate that you just heard, and that would have been one of the more unique ones, along with 2020 throughout its history. A century after the first Cox Plate was ever run, there is a prize pool of $5 million up for grabs, and for the first time in a few years, we are going to have crowds at the Valley for the Cox Plate. One man who will no doubt feed off the amphitheatre-type atmosphere of the Valley is Ray caller and really he's an all-round gun when it comes to sports broadcasting Matty Hill he'll call the action and he joins us on the line ahead of a busy weekend for him how are you Matty? I'm very well Damien good to hear your voice and uh, yes can't wait it's uh, really grand final time uh, in Melbourne horse racing now over the next couple of weeks so the Cox Plate uh, it really is the great race it's it's the race for the, the best horses await uh, for race championship and uh, it's like a it's like a title fight. It's uh, it's it's come down to this on Saturday. So looking forward to it. How much of a difference does a crowd atmosphere in the big races make to your call as well? Because I'd imagine it gives you that extra bit of oomph. 
no doubt. I think it, it makes a difference for everybody. It, it'd be a, it, I would sort of liken it to a, a full forward kicking for goal 30 metres out in front of 100,000 people at the MCG compared to someone kicking to a, at an empty stadium. Uh, it, it gets the blood flowing it, uh, it, and you're probably a little bit more alert as well because of the crowds making uh, different sorts of noises as well. If they, if they roar, you're sort of looking for what they're roaring about and um, oh, you're absolutely up and about when there's a big crowd and it just adds a, a, probably a bit of nervous energy which is not a bad thing but as you mentioned we, we've had two Cox Plates uh, the last two Cox Plates have been run in front of nobody and Mooney Valley is known for its roar for its big roar when the barriers open and when the horses get going at the 500 metre mark so um, it'll be back on Saturday which is fantastic news and uh, the atmosphere I'm sure will be fantastic if you have any questions for Matt Hill off the temper text machine, feel free to send them in, 0433981116. You mentioned that nervous energy, and this may sound like a trite question effectively, but when it comes to breathing, I notice whenever I'm nervous in any type of situation, your heart starts to pump a little bit more and your breathing starts to escalate. How do you control your nerves? Because you hear the crowd going, particularly when they're thundering down the straight and it's coming up partic- particularly towards a, a tight finish. How do you go about controlling and conserving your nerves? Well, I think in a, in a race crawling sense, we call a lot of races. So um, we're used to uh, controlling our breathing, but um, you're right, the heart's pumping a little bit more, but you're also concentrating so hard on, on the race. And on Saturday, for instance, we've got uh, one of the classic Cox plates. It's an old, good old-fashioned Cox plate where a lot of the horses running we've seen plenty of times before. We've got uh, an Underwood Stakes winner. We've got a Might and Power Stakes winner in it. We've got a Maccabi Diva Stakes winner in it. So it's one of those races where... Um, I'll, be absolute, I'll be just as intrigued as everybody else to find out what actually goes on. Um, but as far as keeping control, I, look, I think it, it's just a matter of keeping in your little cocoon. You, you try not to let the crowd really worry you too much. Um, I think we might have just lost Matt there on the line. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. If you want to text in at any stage, we'll endeavour to try and get him back on the line just quickly in the cricket. The Netherlands nine for 124. Two overs remaining. The target is 163. So you get the sense that the Sri Lankans will hold on. We've got Matty back on the line. Sorry, Matty, you've just dropped out in that particular instance. We'll endeavour to get you back on the line at some point. And just in terms of the actual target here, O'Dowd has actually reached his half century for the Netherlands, which is actually quite a fine effort considering the attack he is up against. 53 or 41 deliveries. So he's stood up and he's really been the pillar of consistency as far as the Dutch is concerned. So ultimately, we'll try and endeavour to keep you up to date with those scores there. I was talking about the Sheffield Shield before as well. New South Wales, 4 for 96 at stumps with bad light stopping play. Day three of that encounter at Dremoyne Oval. So we'll see if New South Wales can make a recovery. You get the sense it'll either be a draw or indeed a victory for Queensland, the way things are going, because Queensland have had the better with the bat and the ball, and they just have that greater all-round capability. We'll try again with Matty Hill. Have we got you, Matty? I'm here, gee. I hope that doesn't happen in the cup. Yes, I don't know what happened there. Good old technology, eh? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so no, just to finish that question, um, yeah, the crowd does get you a little bit, but look, it's it's a great problem to have 
what Owen, as I say, it's just fantastic to have the crowds back because uh, that 24 months of no crowds, uh, it certainly wrecked the, the occasion. So uh, to have them back and to, to have a race that we've got on Saturday, um, I can't wait for it. Absolutely. Now, it is 100 years since the first Cox Plate. When's the first Cox Plate you can recall actually watching vividly yourself? Not saying you're close to 100 years old, Matty. Not saying that at all, but I'm saying you you do love the race itself. What's the first you can vividly recall? Uh, I can remember uh, watching them on TV very early on. So I could probably go back to probably about 91, uh, the year that Betteluse and Up won it, uh, came storming down the outside uh, to beat Citizen. Of course, Citizen had uh, run very well in a Caulfield Cup leading in, and, and then the year after, 1992, which is 30 years ago, uh, probably one of the great Cox plates of, uh, of superimpose. It was just one of those uh, great fields, superimpose, with Let's All Open, Betteluse and Up, and Prince Salieri, and... Uh, there was a fall at the 600 metres, which added even more drama. And um, there were protests after the race. Uh, I think there was three protests. I think it was fifth and fifth against second and first, and then second against first. They were all they were all throwing in protests in the stewards' room. So that was one of the most dramatic cox plates we've seen 30 years ago. So I go back to those horses, better loosen up and superimpose. And, and as I mentioned, they, they were sort of horses that we did see in a lot of the weight parades races leading up. So we followed them and we, they all had sort of a following connected to them. So a little bit similar to what we've got on Saturday with horses like Animo, which we know so well yeah. when it's six group ones, and Mr. Brightside, who's got a real following, a big ownership group, and I'm Thunderstruck, who has got a bit of a cult following now, particularly after its victory at Flemington. So uh, we've got the old wait for age clash again, and that's great. It's a real old-fashioned Cox Plate. Yeah, absolutely right. We're speaking with Matty Hill, who'll be calling all the action in the Cox Plate on Saturday. You mentioned Animo as a favourite, and you mentioned Superimposed as well. I think from memory, Superimposed won the Cox Plate in 92 after being runner-up the previous year. Same thing happened at the start of the 2000s when Norvely won the Cox Plate in 02 after being runner-up a couple of years earlier to Sunline. Could we see Animo, who was the runner-up last year in the Cox Plate, prevail a year later in 2022? Well, I think he's certainly the horse to beat. But uh, the one thing about this uh, Cox Plate is it's been a bit of a gift that keeps on giving because uh, there's always a drama before the Cox Plate. It's sort of known for it. And uh, Alligator Blood is the big story as we we speak tonight because uh, the horse has shown signs of lameness uh, lameness from the Racing Victoria uh, stewards and uh, gets the final ticket of a approval or not tomorrow morning so the way the field is made up is interesting because you'd think that alligator blood's a horse that would push forward and test zaki in the early stages of the race and as a result set quite a good tempo in the early stages which animo can sit off it's going to be very interesting if alligator blood is scratched because uh, all of a sudden pace comes out of the race but animo's certainly the horse to beat he's a, he's a terrific horse not sure when he won a Caulfield two weeks ago if he was 100% tuned up for it, which makes the win even bigger. But then you could probably say the same thing about the second and third horses. So it really is a matter of who gets the right run and who's improved the most and and who's completely screwed down for the the Cox Plate on on Saturday. Uh, But I think he's definitely the horse to beat. He's a mighty horse. And uh, there is that little bit of narrative about last year a lot of people that backed him or even didn't back him believe that he probably should have got the protest against State of Rest. 
was a real 50-50, a real controversial race. And uh, so there's a little bit of uh, redemption for him to come on Saturday if he was able to win. That's it. Now, the news coming through over the last hour or so, Matty, very elegant, has been retired. What's your reaction? Given you call very elegant Melbourne Cup victory last year. Oh, she was just a terrific mare, and uh, she was a fascinating horse because we knew she had all the ability in the world when she first started, but she wouldn't settle in her races. She'd over-race, and she'd... Uh, try and pull the jockey's arms out of their uh, sockets, but she, she was so good as a, a young horse, and then she progressed as, into wait-for-age uh, racing. And, uh, yeah, she she just was, as we heard in that replay you played, she was uh, placed in a Cox plate. She um, won that cup last year. It was a fantastic win. The year before the Melbourne Cup, her run was very, very good. And at the end of her career, change of ownership, went over to France to run in an Arc de Triomphe. She didn't quite get to an Arc de Triomphe, but she's uh, gone over there and had a couple of starts. And we'll probably look back at her. Like most of our champion racehorses have gone over at some point and um, taken on the world. And uh, she tried to do that probably at the, at the worst part of her career, right mm. at the end. But what a mighty horse she's been. She's put in 100% and... Uh, yeah, she uh, she goes down as a, an outstanding racehorse and and a very popular one and a, and a you know a, a over ten group one. She's uh, she's outstanding. Absolutely. In two sentences, Maddie, who wins the Manicato and who wins the Cox Plate? As we let you go, uh, the Manicato is a very open race. I think Bella Nipotina will go close, but Paul Laley for me, and I think Anima will win the Cox Plate. So. Godolphin will be very happy with me. I've tipped the two uh, Godolphin Blues to win the feature races. Yeah, you mentioned Bella Nipotino. It was a great run in the Moya. It was probably the run of the race, even though it didn't win. Maddie, really appreciate your time at short notice as well. You've got a busy weekend ahead, so thanks for giving up your time and chatting to us. Anytime, Watto. Thank you, mate. Good stuff. Maddie Hill joining us there on the line. We'll be calling all the action. The Cox Plate on Saturday. We'll take a break. Kim Hughes to join us shortly, of course, former Australian cricket captain. And more of your calls, 1300 736 736 on the Harcourts open line. Your move, your Harcourts. Damian Watson here with you. And we've ticked over 6.30 Eastern Summertime here on the Macca's Run. All thanks to McDonald's, the McSpicy range at Macca's. Can you handle the heat? Damian Watson here with you, filling in for Sam Hargraves tonight. Plenty happening in the cricketing world at the moment with the Men's T20 World Cup, the WBBL's in full swing. We've got the Sheffield Shield, of course. The list goes on. Some interesting dialogue earlier this week as well with Pat Cubbins being appointed as the ODI captain as debate continues as to whether David Warner's lifetime leadership ban should be lifted or scrapped. Joining us on the line to dissect all that's happening in the cricketing world is former Australian cricketing captain Kim Hughes who's been kind enough to give up some of his time. How are you, Kim? I'm very well indeed, Damien, and from all the list of those subjects, it looks as though I could be on the radio for the next five hours. <laughs> Goodness gracious, where do, we, where do we start? I'm in rural Western Australia, and uh, so I might cut in and out of range, unfortunately. But anyway, we'll we'll do the best we can. That's all right. We'll persist on. If you have any questions for Kim off the text machine, happy to read it out. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. We'll discuss the Shield and a bit of the T Twenty World Cup and the whole Josh Inglis thing as well in just a moment. But firstly, I referenced David Water before as a former Aussie cricket captain yourself. Do you believe that time should heal and that Water should be able to hold a leadership role for Australia in the future, or at least be part of the leadership group? 
well, I certainly think so. I mean, Steve Smith was the captain, and in the you know the, the captain is responsible for the team's behaviour, and he's now uh, exonerated, if you like. And uh, I think I liked about David Warner was that he's never uh, written about it or talked about what happened. People just think that he was the only bloke involved, but you'd have to be living under a rock. But it's obviously, there are other things that have gone on, and I was away in Sydney just recently, and there was a guy there that's very close to the cricket and has been for many, many years, and he said, look, there's a lot of other things that are going on. So I just think that uh, David's conducted himself very well and should be eligible, as Steve Smith is eligible. There you go. Fantastic to have that sort of insight as well. Uh, just in terms of the T20 World Cup, the men's T20 World Cup, what have you made of it? Have you enjoyed the action and some of the minnows causing upsets as well has added a little bit of spice? Yeah, well, it certainly has. When you get Namibia, that have only got 100 cricketers to pick <laughs> from, and, and then they won, and then Scotland uh, had a fantastic win against, I think, the West Indies. Yep. But I must admit, I, I'm over the, you know, all the practice matches, that sort of thing. Let's get stuck into the big stuff. Although, um, you know, the weather in Sydney or on the East Coast, basically, with Sydney, with Australia's game against New Zealand, I think, on Saturday, and then India and Pakistan at the MCG. And, they're, and they're for, I think they've sold 100,000 tickets. So I just hope that, you know, they, they can get um, reasonable weather to get the game the game's going, but it's certainly been some real surprises. The West Indies are just a shadow of the previous teams, but just uh, you know, Namibia's effort and um, and Scotland's effort were just uh, absolutely un- unbelievable. It just shows you what can happen in the crash and bash form of the game, Damien. That's right. It's a fickle format of the game, the T20 format. We're speaking with former Australian cricket captain Kim Hughes. From a Sri Lankan and West Indian point of view, how do those losses happen, do you think? I suppose it can happen to anyone, and I hate to reference it, but you, of course, played in Australia's loss to Zimbabwe in the 1983 one-day World Cup. Can you just have a bad day as a team, or do you think these upsets happen through maybe an element of complacency? Not suggesting you were complacent, though, Kim, that day. But, Damien, I was just having a nice time talking to you until you relived a nightmare. <laughs> I've been trying to forget about those. But look, I think the thing with 20 over cricket is that one person can influence. Look, I know you've got to bowl well, but certainly one batsman, if they get going, can, you know, and they get a 70 or 80, all of a sudden you've got, you know, a real, you've got a defendable total. Although, I also think, Damien, that it's about one of the few games in the world where the equipment has got better and the boundaries have got smaller. And the day, the only person in our era that could hit a six over cover was maybe Bid Richards, but now the miss hits go for six, and you know it's very well. It's certainly weighted towards the batting side of things because the bats are an inch, an inch and a half in in uh, thickness, and uh, gee, they, yeah, I just keep thinking that it's it's just uh, you hit it only half well and it goes out of the out of the you know out of the ground almost. Um, so you, you're going to need, I think, you, look, you, you certainly don't need five bowls. You're going to need six or seven or even more, even if they just come on and bowl them over. And I think that's going to be one of the strengths of Australia. Um, you know, I think Zampa's going to play a very, very important role. Um, but together with, you know, our three regular quicks, but then Stoinis and maybe even a Cameron Green that might even come in. Um, if um, the uh, English yeah. is proven as, as as not fit 
and, and healthy, albeit that he's a wicket-keeper. I know Cameron Green can do most things, but I don't think he's ever kept before. But, um, look, it, it should be really fast. Now, I just hope we get reasonable weather and that the best, side, uh, the best sides can uh, show their true worth. Well, that's it. And I think we all certainly conform to that sentiment. You mentioned Inglis before being injured as part of a golfing accident. In your time playing cricket in particular, can you recall any bizarre instances where a player has had to miss a tour or miss a couple of matches through a strange form of injury? I mean, we all hark back to Glenn McGrath accidentally stepping on the ball, missing out of the second test match in the Ashes of 05. But in your era, particularly as captain, can you recall any strange incident off the field like that? Um, not that I can tell on air. It might not be suitable listening. Okay. But no, I can't remember anybody, uh, you know, um, no, not, not, not immediately. I, I, I can't uh, think of it, but certainly for English to, to think, you know, that he's done it playing golf. But look, you, you have a look at England. I mean, one of the most dangerous players in the world last 12 months in any form of cricket has been David Bairstow from England mm. and he was playing golf and uh, did his ankles and he's out of this whole the whole World Cup and that was a huge blow to England albeit that uh, they still look a very, very strong side. That's exactly right. Do you tip Australia to win the T20 World Cup, Kim? It's a difficult one, isn't it, because of the fickle format of the game to, to really make a long-term prediction in a tournament, isn't it? Yeah, look, you know, we, we certainly need... It was great to see Finch get some runs the other day, uh, which was good. Warner seems to be in good form. But, you, you know, the, you, the, your top three or four batsmen are absolutely crucial. I know Maxwell's had a real lean run, um, but you'd think he's a big-time player. Um, fielding is going to be imperative, but when you look at that Virat Kohli, he's not the greatest fieldsman of all time, but the catch he took the other day at long off or long on was unbelievable. But uh, look, they'll be very, very competitive. Um, you know, our opening bowlers are going to be crucial, and they've looked a bit average when the batsman just hit straight through the line of, of the ball. And I must admit, Damien, if I see someone play a reverse sweep or vomit, um, <laughs> the bats are so good you can hit them over cover and mid off. Why try and play a reverse sweep and get a single? It just does not edit where you can just hit straight down the ground and the missions go for six. It just defies logic. <laughs> Fair enough, too. We're speaking with former Australian cricket captain Kim Hughes. Kim, I'm not sure if you followed the Sheffield Shield to a significant degree, but, of course, Victoria and WA fought out a draw. It was a bit of a batathon at the Junction Oval, but a few players coming into form. Who's caught your eye, given Cam Bancroft scored a century for WA? Sam Whiteman, who I think is probably an underrated player at first-class level. He scored 82 in the first innings. He's had a purple patch, a couple of purple patches over the last couple of seasons. And, of course, Peter Hanscom with his 281 not out. One of the great first class knocks in the last probably decade yeah yeah look absolutely you can't do any better than that and i think he got 100 in the game before or pretty close to 100 marcus harris i've always been a fan of and i thought he treated pretty harshly but look look junction oval can be a very flat wicket um, you know that's not a great thing to have we got 460 i think it was in there they're whatever six for four hundred and eighty, and they could bat till the cows come home. Um, so um, you know they just need to provide, make sure that we 
like it's well, if the batsman makes a mistake, you pay the price rather than the nick not carrying through to the wicket keeper or the or, or the slips. And there's not much in it for the for the spinners um, at, at all. But um, yeah, look, um, you know, Western Australia had a good win over here against in Western Australia against New South Wales. Um, but um, yeah, look, they're all putting pressure on. But look, the whole focus is going to be on the crash and bash. 20 over, over cricket, and it'll be interesting to see who's out and about uh, when, the, when we've got three tests against South Africa and three tests against the West Indies. So it's going to be a, a matter of man management for the quicker bowlers. And I, I, I must admit, Damien, I couldn't quite understand why Cameron Green, for example, hasn't played in this last Shield game or two. Mm. Um, you know, I, I know he played in a couple of the one-dayers, and did very well in India, and then had a couple of shockers here, and then came back and did not too badly. But um, he's got a tremendous, and will be if he stays fit, the world's best all-rounder. I've got no doubt about that, providing he stays fit and bowls. But I must admit I was surprised at him not playing in this last Shield match or two. You know, you've, you've got to get yourself match fit. And um, it's a tough gig being an all-rounder. But the only way you're going to do the hard yards is to get in middle and a bit of blood, sweat and tears. Yeah, that's it. And I think that's probably one element that is debated upon quite often each summer, isn't it? And you would know the importance and the emphasis of the Sheffield Shield in terms of the long format of the game as a player, Kim. Do you think it's neglected a little bit given the... Not intrusion, I don't think that's the right word, but certainly the impost of the T20 game coming in, and we know about the marketability and the importance of it as a marketable commodity for cricket in this country. But yeah. how do we solve it from a fixturing point of view to ensure players get yeah. enough time out in the crease in the long format of the game? Well, well you've got to take a look at someone like Tim David. Couldn't get a game for Western Australia, and now he's one of the real stars, could be in, in the shorter version of the game. Yeah. Look, the reality is... The 20-over uh, game attracts people. Look, people are a lot more time poor than they used to be because both people, if they've got children, are, are working. The days of coming along and watching a whole day of 50-over cricket, and I think that's the, that's the format of the game that's under most pressure of all. But it is important. We, and, and it's a bit like Sheffield Shield is like a lost leader. We've just got to carry that with the reality that, you know, we've got a young boy over here called Ted Wiley. And I haven't seen him play yet, but he's had some tremendous reports. He's only 19. And it's important that they can play with and against as many competitive people as possible so the gap between shield cricket and the higher grade of cricket is not that great. But when I look back in our day, look, it was a long while ago, I know. But, you know, all your test players played shield cricket. Yeah. And uh, we also had one year we were holding played for Tasmania and Joel Garner was in, in South Australia and Imran Khan was in New South Wales. And, uh, you know, plus we had Lily and Alderman and Thompson up in Queensland and McDermott and that. And you go out to test cricket, with the exception of the West Indies in your face, big busts of Bobby Willis and Chris Old, you thought, Jesus, I've got to stay in this level a bit longer because it was a lot easier playing that than shield cricket. Do you think there's a way to try and entice some of those top-class players? You mentioned, I mean, I remember the story of Ian Botham coming across to play for Queensland back in the late 1980s. You had some of the key players around the world playing Shield cricket. Yeah. They still do so to a certain extent in county cricket over in the UK, but not as much in Shield cricket anymore. Is there a way to try and entice them? Do you think it's purely a financial thing more than anything else and maybe no. the unfortunate fact that Australia's summer collides with a lot of other summers around the world? 
Well, I think having any competition around with offering huge sums of money, uh, the uh, Indian uh, mob of setting up a 2020 competition in South Africa, who South African cricket haven't had a sponsor, uh, just bereft of money. So therefore, you've got players that might be offered of thousands of dollars to go and you know show their wares over a four, six, eight-week period. Um, whereas they play shield cricket and they're going to get, well, whatever, minuscule amount. And I think that's one of the advantages that the IPL, the Indian Premier League, have. And one of the great things for world cricket is that players from different countries play. In. I think I can remember one with Graham Smith. I think we might have lost Kim there. We'll endeavour to get him back on the line shortly. If not, we might just wrap it up anyway because we got a decent amount out of Kim, which was fantastic. Great to hear his insight. Off the SMS machine with thanks to Temper and also, of course, thanks to 40 Wigs. Get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 Wigs, serious about sleep. Josh here saying the best player of spin bowling in Australia, Peter Hanscom, should be the first picked for India in February or March. Very handy behind the stumps too. Also off the SMS, Grant says it looks like if Namibia Beat the UAE tonight. Sri Lanka will finish third and miss out. Well, it depends on the rub rate situation, of course, and that rub rate situation. But thank you, Grant, for texting that through, and that'll be quite remarkable given Sri Lanka do have a pretty reasonable record historically. They changed the way one day cricket was played back in the 1990s and also have a decent T20 record as well. We'll take a break. Back with more of your calls after this. Feel free to ring in on the Harcourts open line. Your move, your Harcourts, 1300 736 736. This is the Mackers run. Damian Watson with you on this Thursday. Day evening. The Monopoly game at Maccas is in full swing. Download the My Maccas app and play today. Welcome to the Maccas Run with Sam Hargraves. Big welcome back to the Maccas Run. Damian Watson filling in for Sammy Hargraves tonight. Feel free to text in 0433981116 with thanks to Temper. Consumer's Choice winner, Temper mattresses, pillows and adjustable bases conforms to the exact shape of your body. Just in terms of news breaking over the last half hour or so, it can be confirmed, as we mentioned before, that Cam Green will replace Josh Inglis in Australia's T20 Men's World Cup squad. So it's probably not the way he expected to come into the side given Inglis had a trading golf mishap where he's required more than half a dozen stitches in his right hand. He had a bandaged right hand when he turned up to the trading session at the SCG on Thursday. But a bit of a golf day out has turned badly for Josh Inglis. And unfortunately for him, he's out. Cam Green comes in. Could be a very, very good acquisition, though, given we know about his capabilities as a young hitter. He's a good striker of the ball, Cam Green. Very capable with the ball as well. Obviously, you have to manage his minutes given his workload, but he is one of those quintessential all-rounders. There's no doubt about that. So if you want to text in in regards to that particular news or your reaction, 0433-981116. It was interesting listening to Ernie Merrick. He's been part of the A-League system for a long period of time with his coaching capabilities. And now he was effectively working closely with Brett Ratton during the year at St Kilda. He came on to Jared Waitley's program earlier today and he labelled the sacking of Brett Ratton as one of the worst he's ever seen. It was an interesting chat as well. Let's take a listen to little bits of it just to recap in case you're unaware or didn't get the chance to listen. And if you want to listen to the full interview, don't forget to download it off the SEN podcasting suite of links that we have on our various social media platforms. But here's what he had to say, Ernie Merrick. 
It's one of the worst I've seen. And um, I was part of the review process the day before he was sacked. And I consider the decision was already made. And I was just, you know, ticking a, a box to check on my belief of his performance. The difference is in soccer, when you're sacked from the English Premier League, you walk away with $20 million and yep. six months of salary. So when, in fact, I'd yeah. love to get sacked from an English Premier League club. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> he also mentioned that St Kilda have probably messed with their stability. I'd like to know who made the decision to play a game in Cairns, which is lost by a point. I mean, that decision, that 12th win, would probably have guaranteed a finals position, but it's out of the hands of the coach. The list management's out of the hands of the coach. You can pass on advice. But you can't go out and get the players yourself. You've got to. You've got different departments doing that. So they're not going to have success until, in my opinion, St Kilda aren't going to have success until they stabilise the, the the whole club from top to bottom. And to me, they've they've they were stable and they've stuffed it around. There you go. He doesn't pull any punches, does he? Ernie Merrick, very, very candid in his assessment of St Kilda and some of the decision-making processes they've made in recent times. Just off the SMS, Josh says, seriously, Damien, can't the AFL come up with an original concept away from the NRL? Magic round. Just take the game to the Northern Territory or Tasmania and gauge crowd interest there. Oh, I don't mind. If it's if an idea is pretty good, I don't necessarily mind a bit of innovation, even if it's piggybacking off another code. At the end of the day, the NRL, from memory, and I'm happy to be corrected if I'm wrong, they built their state of origin concept you know, at the start of the 80s off the basis of the Australian rules version of state of origin, which eventually petered out, as we know. But sometimes it's okay to pickpocket off another code if it works. If it ends up working, at the end of the day, any idea, any innovative idea can be good in my personal point of view. But I can understand, you know, you want some <laughs> some sort of recognition towards Northern Territory and Tasmania and playing around there. It's just whether it's commercially viable, I think. But it'll be interesting to see whether it's in Sydney or in Adelaide. Those probably are the two cities that have been bandied about. It's probably similar to a lightning premiership type of concept, except the games are the same length. It's not a shortened amount of time like we've seen, like the original lightning premiership concept back in 1996, which only lasted for about a year. It was only the one try. Off the SMS, Travis says, will Kane Corns be adding golf to the sports and activities that players shouldn't be doing after Josh Inglis's injury? Yeah, just uh, referencing, was it Isaac Heaney or one of the Sydney players from memory who jumped into a pool of water over <laughs> the off-season. And off the SMS, that can's references from Ernie Merrick. Very, very interesting, says Anonymous there. Off the text machine, 0433 if you do want to text in. Just in terms of live sporting action at the moment, the NBL round is underway. Round four between the South East Melbourne Phoenix and the New Zealand Breakers. The Breakers are off to a fantastic start in their NBL season. The Phoenix, on the other hand, have struggled in recent times. Sydney Stack, that's right, who was uh, jumping into a dam. I remember Isaac Heaney did something very similar, though, a few years earlier in the off-season uh, that Kane Corns mentioned uh, going back a few years. But the Phoenix, they're up 81-56 to 56 over the New Zealand Breakers at the moment into the third period there, which is a bit of a surprise. The Breakers coming in with very good form. The Phoenix haven't had the best start to the NBL season, but they're out quite convincingly at the moment, the Phoenix. It's going to take a fair bit for the Breakers to reel them in. Later on tonight, Melbourne United play host to the Cairns Taipans. So a lot happening in basketball action locally, as well as abroad. We spoke about the NBA before, and 
Ben Simmons, a bit of an underwhelming debut for the Brooklyn Nets. one 736 736 to ring in throughout the night on the Harcourts open line. Your move, your Harcourts. Hope you enjoyed the Maccas run. The Sporting Capital is up next. Plenty of guests to come. We've got Nathan Strimple talking all things NBL after this. We're going to have a chat with Georgia Vol, Brisbane Heat player of the WBBL. They've been in pretty good form. A couple of the Georgians in that team have been in good form as well on the pitch. And just in terms of some of the other guests, we're going to have Rick Mill to go through his collectibles, particularly with a racing feed tonight. We'll have a chat with Chris Coles about the EPL and Teo Palazzari about the A-League. All the sports covered here on SEN. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.